Hello. Hello. Hey, why don't we stand and uh, we're going to take up our offering this morning. Thank you, Matthew. Um, and let's just pray before we do that and thank God for his goodness and for his kindness towards us. Uh, he's so good, so kind, such a good God, such a good father. And um, guys, just to let you know, our, our finances are on track this year. Um, year to date. We're going in the right direction with our giving. And today we have our financial reports for you that they're over on the table on your way out. And there's a lovely, um, just a, an update on 2017, what we did as a community of faith during the year, a letter from the trustees, a word from Michelle and I, and then some great inspirational facts. And, and then just some challenge also for us as a community of faith as we go forward uh, into this year where we want to be generous and we want to do all that the Lord has asked us to do this year without holding back and without cutting any of our cloth this year. So I just want to thank you, first of all, for being generous and also encourage you to keep continuing to give to the mission and the vision of Finyard Church Dungannon here near and far. Uh, so do grab your statement on the way out. It lets you know where your money's going and just the great story of God here in our community locally and also just scattered abroad. So I encourage you to grab that on your way out and uh, let's pray and that's just really with hearts of thanks, uh, just, just give, yeah, just give back to the Father what he's given us in a small way uh, and allow him to charge our hearts and energize us with generosity and kindness. Yeah, it's just a great, you're a great tribe. Just thank you for sending out your people to do mission and compassion. It's just a wonderful thing that we're sending a need out to, to Leeds. Father God, I thank you for your kindness and your goodness towards us. Lord, thank you for this space and this place where we get to gather freely. And Lord God, would you cause our hearts to be stirred to leave legacy that lasts beyond ourselves, Jesus. And God, I pray today that you would just capture our hearts again and again and again with your goodness and your kindness, Jesus, and your generosity towards us. God, allow us, allow us to become the people that you have dreamed us to be in this community, God. And God, would you just give us the resources, God? Would you give us the task? Would you give us the, the energy and the gifts to use um, what we have in our hands, God, to extend the kingdom of heaven here, near and far? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you give? Why don't you give generously? I'm going to tell you a couple of stories just to jump into our conversation today. And uh, as you know, I grew up in Stroke City. Um, wonderful place to grow up. And, uh, and so we, what, dairy people are like most people in Toronto. We love to tell stories, don't we? Sometimes they're a little stretched, but we love to tell stories. And um, my mom and dad used to tell me stories about my grandparents. I never had the privilege of, of knowing them, the Scots side of the house. Um, my grandfather died before I was born, and my grandmother actually died on the same month that he died on a year later. So it was quite sad for for them as a family, but my dad tells me a story of just how kind they were and how generous they were. Um, the granddad was called Jack, um, fought in the war, actually. I just, he traveled to Egypt. Can you imagine traveling to Egypt in the 1940s? And uh, he, he was involved in all that. Uh, and then he came back, and he was a butcher. So we were a posh family in Derry. We had meat in the house where other people had tripe and and did sugar sandwiches and all that there. And I also remember my dad telling me that he loved butter. And have you seen the price of butter nowadays? It's a fortune. Butter's expensive. And so um, 
He, what he would do is he would butter lightly on one side of toast and then on the other side he would put it on thick and heavy and then his mother would look and she would just see a wee scraping of butter on his toast but he really did do it heavily on the other side and we're encouraging our children in our house also to go light with the butter in light of the price of it at the current moment. So my dad also tells a story of that the minister, my parents, uh, my grandparents became followers of Jesus. Uh, his, my dad's mom was Mary McGrillis. She was from a Catholic nationalist background uh, in the Craigan of Derry. And my granda was a Protestant in the fountain. So, uh, yeah, a real cultured family in those days. And uh, they became not Protestants or Catholics, but they became followers of Jesus Christ. And that's the culture I grew up in. I didn't know what a Protestant was. In fact, I'm not getting political, but we send our kids to the Bush Primary School. And one day, Mike is in school, and these kids are trying to figure out what he is, as we do in Northern Ireland. And Micah kept saying, I'm a Christian. And they said, yeah, but are you a Protestant Christian? Are you a Catholic Christian? You know that story. And Micah, totally confused. He's never heard this language. He says, I, I think I know I'm a Catholic I was quite chuffed with that story, if you knew my background and how I grew up. Anyway, so that was a beautiful story. So what was I telling you? Yeah, so uh, anyway, so they became followers of Jesus Christ, and the minister, they became Methodists. They were Methodists, and, uh, and so the minister came around to their house, and they didn't have a lot of possessions, but they had this beautiful oak dining table. Beautiful oak dining table. And uh, the minister came in and said, that's a beautiful table. And uh, then when my granda came back at half five, there was no table there. Because the granny had given it away because the minister commented that was a beautiful table. And this would happen regularly. If somebody mentioned something in the house, both uh, Jack Scott and Mary Scott, they would just give it away. And then my father, he would also do the same. I didn't like it as much. It was great hearing stories about the granny and granda. But then when families came to our house and they saw stuff and people that just hadn't enough money, they would say, oh, that's a, like they brought my brother a guitar to learn to play guitar. And then somebody mentioned, we would just, you know, we're, we're trying to teach the kids guitar. And my dad says, but we don't have one. Oh, I have a guitar. So he nips up the stairs into my brother's bedroom, uh, gets past all the LPs, ACDC and Judas Priest, and you remember all those groups? And he lifts my brother's brand new guitar and says, there you go, there's a guitar. That's the kind of house we grew up in. And then I, I caught on to that when I was a kid. So um, what would happen is that anything went missing in the house, my mother would always call me in the room and said, have you seen this? And I say, yeah, I did see it. And then she'd say, did you give it away? And I would say, yeah, I give it away. Uh, and constantly we were giving stuff away because that was the culture. It was a culture of generosity. It was a culture of kindness. But I found it so attractive. I found it so attractive and so, so um, engaging. I love, and, and to this day, nothing impresses me more than kind people. I used to be, uh, I used to be, yeah, I used just to be enamored by people that were smarts and people that were in leadership and people that were clever and dynamic, charismatic. But there's nothing swells my heart now in this culture when I meet people that are just kind. Because kindness is a beautiful thing. And kindness is one of the most, uh, yeah, one of the most sought after things that we as a community of faith should go after. Because right through the Old Testament, right through the New Testament, there's one characteristic of God the Father and that's his kindness. He's so, so kind. But unfortunately, growing up then, I stopped giving away my stuff and keeping it. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about what kills our generosity. And, and there is something that kills generosity. There's a few things that I'm going to talk about today that depletes our generosity, that drowns our gen generosity and buries our generosity. But you might be surprised it has nothing to do with economics. 
It has nothing to do with finances or money, what kills generosity. So I want us to stand and I want to read the ancient scriptures today from Matthew chapter 5. I read it last week and I did say that today's conversation was going to be how we can be generous with our lives. How we can be generous with our lives. I just loved our announcements this morning. Sets it up well. And here in the message, paraphrased by Eugene Peterson, let me read it to you. Here's another way to put it. And if you want to find out what that was before, you've got to back up a little in the scriptures. You are here to be light. Bringing out God colors in the world. Sorry, it's spelt American because it was an American that paraphrased it. God is not a secret to be kept. Man, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, listen to this church. You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? He's not going to do that. I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. That's beautiful. Be generous with your lives. Be opening by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God and this generous Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and it's given to us in love. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may be seated. What a fantastic piece of scripture. What a beautiful way to paint it and, uh, and picture it in our minds and our souls. It just has so, so, so much Awakening to our senses as we read that, that we would keep an open house, just like the Scots and Derry and the Magrillises in that household, where they just kept open house, where they lived generous lives. And my dream is that Vineyard Church Dungannon, one of our essentials and core values is that we would learn to live generous lives. If you want God to bless your life, guys, and this is not a quick fix to prosperity. I'm not selling you something cheap this morning. But I want to give you three things, and I'm going to speak on one thing this morning. If you want blessing in your life, there's three things that I would advise you to put into your life. You might want to write these down. These three things, three words have been in my heart, in my mind all week, and I've been thinking through them probably since last Sunday or last Saturday. And the three words are simply integrity, humility, and generosity. Integrity, humility, and generosity. If you bind these three things, they're the antidote to the three great temptations in life. Personal integrity, corporate integrity, us as a church that where we're tempted to, to lie and to fake and to, to not be genuine. And then if you want to put that, if you want to guard yourselves against that, and I think everybody should be up for that, then we want to bind and we want to keep the characteristic and the value and the virtue of integrity in our life. The second thing is humility. Always be humble. And humble is not pretending to be something that you're not. Humble is not uh, dialing down what God has put in your heart, the dream of the vision that God has put in your life. That's false humility. Humility is understanding what God has called you to do. Humility is having the courage and the integrity to follow through with all that God has called us to do and not be proud in that journey. And we know that pride is a, is a thing that God does not like. He opposes the proud. So if you want closeness with God, I would say if you want the blessing of God in your life, then stay humble. And the third thing is generosity. And we don't have time to do humility and integrity this morning, but I do want to talk about the third great thing that we build into our lives, and that is generosity. Be generous with your lives. It's funny that generosity is a word that has changed, like many words, it, was, it has evolved, and a lot of language has. The ancient meaning of generosity is, is the nature of our birth. I find this fascinating this week. It's a reference to those of nobility. 
meaning those who are born into a generous lifestyle, into a noble lifestyle, and we're all stoked to be watching the royal wedding, right? The noble wedding this Saturday, aren't we? Uh, and, and I'm thrilled just to find out how, how your woman leaves Suits, because I'm a wee bit behind in the series. But, so I can't watch Suits anymore without seeing Harry and thinking, I wonder what Harry's thinking about this situation, and do they ever have a conversation about it? But I know it's not real, but sometimes you just got to jump into fairy tale stuff, especially after a hard week, right? So there's noble, noble birth. And, and what happened with this word generous, it means the responsibility of the noble birth people, of the generous and, or of the, the noble and, and the respectable and the wealthy, that they had a responsibility of their wealth, with their wealth. They had a responsibility with their wealth and they believed that it was from God. That's interesting. And they believed they were entrusted to care for those in need. I find that really, really Fascinating. That's where the definition actually comes from. And now we know that that definition has shifted, that it doesn't necessarily mean that wealth doesn't equal generosity at all. It, and yet there are people who are very wealthy and outrageously generous. But the two don't mean that's a certain given. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean if you're from noble birth, if you have wealth, that you're going to automatically be generous. We know that. And we also know that the definition has shifted. But I was thinking about it this week, and I thought, it's so, so close to the kingdom, isn't it? Those of us who have been reborn again into the kingdom of heaven are now of noble birth. Now of noble birth. We are royalty. We, are, we had a royal wedding, Michelle and I. Our royal wedding was on the 13th of April, 1996. No cameras, no hype, but it was a lot of fun. We're all of nobility. We're all sons and daughters of the king. We are of royal descent. It just looks a lot different from an earthly king because our king came in poverty and he didn't even have enough, his parents didn't even have enough like, to have a, a, a good sacrifice and bring it into the temple. They ended up bringing two pigeons into the place, right? So we are royalty. And I do think then that if we went back to the original definition of the word, that there's a responsibility on us to be generous with our resources, if we go back to the definition of the root word of, of generosity, that it shouldn't really shift as we come into the kingdom, children of the kingdom, when we come into Hill's realm, then there is a responsibility and an onus on us that we would take care of the needy and that we would be generous. I'm also reminded, and I see evidence that poverty um, doesn't extract generosity at the same time. The poverty doesn't extract generosity. You know that it's not economical poverty that kills generosity. It's not economical poverty that kills generosity. In fact, um, one of the most um, humbling moments that I've experienced with, 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 being in, in the, with being with generous people is with the poor. In India, where people will run out of their mud huts where they have absolutely nothing, they'll go to a, a set-up shop, a shop is, doesn't even describe it, a piece of wood on a bench, and they'll bring you a packet of biscuits that are two years out of date, and they'll give their last pennies to buy that packet of biscuits and pour you some tea and insist you eat and drink. And I eat the biscuits, and I throw the tea over the shoulder. <laughs> That's not cool. I know, I know you're saying, but if you're there drinking tea five times a day in those villages, you might just do the same thing. But the, the, the generosity of the poor is, is something else. So like I say, poverty doesn't, doesn't extract generosity. And the generous see the world, you see, they see the world different. The Mary Scots and the Dennis Scots, they, they experience life totally different. 
And, and, and here's what extracts us from being generous. Here's some of the things that, that dulls our generosity and kills our generosity. And that is that we live with fear. The, the stingy and, the, and those who are not generous live in fear. But the generous live without fear. It's a life without fear. They give more than their stuff and their finances. They actually give their lives. It's not about what they have. It's about giving away generosity. It's about giving away all their lives. They've discovered the secret that life is most enjoyed when we give ourselves away. And I've discovered something, and I've seen it in my grandmother, though I never met her, and my grandfather. I've seen it in my father and mother. I've seen it among you guys here in Vineyard Church, Dungana, that those who give more freely live more fully. Those who live more freely live life more fully. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a, it's a freeing thing, and it's a, it's a thing that you, if you want to live free, guys, if you want to live fully, then live free. Live without fear. And what is generosity? Well, generosity is multifaceted. I'm not preaching about money this morning, though it's a part of the conversation. Generosity of spirit encompasses more than just giving to the poor, more than just our, giving our wealth away. It's in everything that we do. It's a spirit of generosity. It goes beyond money. It includes giving time. How generous are we with our time? Maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's become a more economical thing today. Maybe it's become something that we, we spend more thought on than our finances is our time. We don't have enough time. It's, it's running out. We, if we only had more time, we would do more things. And, and time is of the essence. And time is a slave to no man. We talk more about time probably than we do about our money situation. So how, how generous are we with our time? How generous are we with our words? I want to encourage you this week to try and be generous with your words. Be generous with your words. What I mean by that? Talk more? No, please don't talk more. But be generous with your words. Give away praise. Give away compliment. Give away when people are doing something good. Give away comfort. Give away uh, especially in light of what's happened in our schools this week again, or uh, in one particular school, uh, uh, give, away, give away comfort. Give away encouragement to teachers this week. And if you know a teacher this week and who works in the Royal School Dungana, if you know them personally, then send them a text and give them encouragement, give them comfort, give them praise. Be generous with your words. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your ideas. Some of us have so many wonderful ideas, but we want to keep them because they're our ideas, and we're afraid if we give away our ideas, somebody else might take our ideas and run with them. And it's silly, but we do it. And if you live a life like that, you live a life of fear, and you don't live a life full. You don't live a... So if generosity is multifaceted. I want us to be a church that's not just generous with their money, but guys, we're generous with our time. I want us to be, a, this, to be the church in Dungannon that is known for its kind words and encouraging words and not critical. It's so easy to be critical, but it takes the same energy to be uh, creative as it does to be critical. It takes the same thinking. It, takes, it actually uses more energy to be critical because it, it, it dulls your spirit. And, and then you've got to try and pull yourself out of negativity again and jump into positivity. So I would encourage you, be generous with your words. Does that make sense to you? Outrageous generosity, then, is just a great, it's multifaceted because it's a great description of God the creator. And God is multifaceted, right? He's kind and he's good and he's a good follower and he's all-encompassing and he's, he's, 
His glory is, is beautiful and he's making all things new. He's a multifaceted God. He, 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 he just does so many good things in this world and in society. If we could see through the lens of, of not just a, a, a one track of how we view God, but if we could open our minds and expand our mind to the beauty and to the glory of this great God that we serve and this kind Jesus that we know and this wonderful Holy Spirit who wants to get into our everyday ordinary lives, then we would understand that generosity is so much more than our stuff. God is, is a great description of what multifaceted generosity looks like. I want to be a church that's compassionate in the community. Can I say thank you to those who have gone this week and, and collected food from the different supermarkets and brought it in? Just wonderful, wonderful stories of, of God blessing people this week in our community. Uh, being in reach this week, it, just, it was such a sad, sad story of a lady who came in and her decision was that she had to bury a member of her family because she had to bury a member of her family she had no money for food. And that through your kindness, through your generosity, through your giving that Outward Focus Christmas at the end of every year that we are able to sustain people, to give them food. They're also able to bury their family and then get food and clothing here at Vineyard Church, Dungannon. Well done. Well done. That's generosity and that's multifaceted. And it describes the Father. But I don't want us to talk about compassion as a church all the time. I don't want us to talk about mercy and compassion. It must have a corresponding action to be sustainable. If we are going to be the church that feeds the hungry and the poor, if we are going to be the church that, that, that goes into schools and, and provides comfort and counsel and encouragement, if we're going to be the church that goes into different uh, countries here near and far, then we need to be a church that's not just talking about mercy and compassion, but we're actually being generous, that it's intentional. Why? Because though it's multifaceted, it's just a natural outpouring and outspilling of love. It's the natural overflow of love. You can't talk about the love of Jesus and not have correspondent action. Love does. Love does. Love just doesn't expand our hearts, but it increases our capacity to give ourselves away. Do you understand? See, we just, I don't want my heart expanded so that I have empathy. I want my heart expanded so that I give myself away. And then somebody comes into our house and says, that's a fantastic looking table. I'm saying, take the table. And when I go into your house and I see beautiful stuff, that you have the same attitude and you say, Jason, take this table. <laughs> Can you imagine we're that type of people? See, and as we grow up, we say that that's foolishness and that's not being wise. I don't know. I'd rather be foolish in the eyes of the world and be outrageously generous than tight and frugal and keeping my stuff and call it wisdom. Love just doesn't expand our hearts, but it increases our capacity to give ourselves away. And guys, when you know Jesus to be the greatest lover who ever lived, then you find yourself caught up in that culture. You find yourself looking through a different lens. Well, what else does generosity do and how else does it get robbed? It gets robbed when we no longer exercise faith. And this is not a prosperity talk this morning. This is a Bible talk. Generosity. Every time you give, it demonstrates your faith. It demonstrates your faith. Fear. What's the opposite of fear? Love. Love. Not even courage. Love. Perfect love casts out fear. The overflow of love in your life 
will, will, will produce itself in, in generosity because it shows that you're trusting the promises of God, the kindness of God. It shows that you believe. It shows that you believe that God will take care of you and that you can obey him and you can trust him. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says this. If you're taking notes this morning, fantastic scripture for you this morning. Your giving proves the reality of your faith. Wow. Philemon 1.6 says, you're generous, not because of your wealth or your economic status at the minute, because of your faith. That's why you're generous. It's, it's the overflow of your heart because of love, and then love causes us to be faith-filled people. And I, I try to think of a word of the opposite of being generous. So can I just go with the word stinginess? Because I've been through the thesaurus, I've been through the dictionary, and this is the best word that I can come up with. So please do not be offended in any way. And I do have to look in some direction this morning. So please do not think that I'm able anybody. It's just a sea of beautiful faces out there. That's all I can see, particularly Terry's beautiful face this morning. Stinginess causes me to be an unbeliever. To have unbelief. See, it's a poverty mindset that, that sees the world with limited resources. There's a mindset. There's a poverty mindset. And when we start to keep our stuff and, and, and not be generous, then we, we, we see the world differently. We, we have these glasses and it's limited resources. So we take to ensure that we will never do without. We take to ensure that we'll never do without. I know friends and family, I'm not going to name them, but they've come from poverty, they've come from um, working class backgrounds and they've had very little in their life and then when they get a little money in, in their life they actually hoard and store up stuff. They'll buy 50 packets of toilet roll because it's on offer. They'll buy 100 pallets, it's exaggeration, in case you think I'm thinking on one particular person, of butter. It's, and and it's, 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 I'm not judging them, it's, it's their mindset is that I, I didn't have before, but now that I have, I better stock up to ensure that I'm never without again. It's a fear of never having enough. It's a fear of living life that you won't have enough again. Have you, I grew up in a working class background. I know that to be true. And, and that's why we go crazy that when we see sales, and sorry, Stephen, when we see sales and we see things that are bargain, we buy stuff that we don't need because we think it's at a price that we can never get again. And we end up buying that thing that we didn't need, that we didn't see. And then when we saw it at the price, you actually be mad not to buy it, wouldn't you? Huh? I've actually said to Michelle, am I stupid? And she'd say, no. And I'd say, okay, I'm buying it. Because you'd be stupid not to buy it, right? <laughs> Try that one. If you're looking for a new car, a new scooter, <laughs> just ask your wife, do you think I'm stupid? No. Do you think I'm mad? No. Well, there, I'm going to buy it. So there you go. So she's in on, she's in on it too. We, 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 I, I've grown up like this. I, I've gone from being totally generous to, to not believing that I would have enough for myself. And then I back off generosity. And my wife has been absolutely brilliant. She has steered me and and help me journey with giving and tithing. Like, you know, I'm not a pastor that tithes. I'm just a Christian that believes in discipleship and gives to the kingdom of heaven. All right? So don't think I'm a pastor that tithes. Well, I am a pastor that tithes. But actually, I'm not a pastor that tithes. I go beyond the tithe. Man, if you're arguing about 10%, have a think about it. Have a think about it. I remember thinking, we won't have enough, we won't have enough. And the car needed fixed. It needed, our cars always need fixed. Where's Dickie this morning? <coughs> Dickie. No, but the air conditioning's not working. Would you mind? 
For, 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 for those who are listening via the internet, my air conditioner in my car is not working, and Derek Dickey promised that he would have it fixed, so just put it, put it out there, and it's on the record. Who said that? Where have you been the last two days? Tropical climate to the ninth degree. What was I talking about? Car, okay. And so, I mean, I mean Michelle and I have the argument of giving, and I've been challenged about giving. I said, Michelle, this car's going to, it costs 400 pounds to fix this blinking thing. I remember it well. We told nobody about it, and I said, you know what, you're right. I'm just going to have faith. I'm going to trust that God will take care of our needs. And we went out to walk. We went up the Calmore Lane, round where the chickens and all are. And I'm just a country boy at heart. And, uh, and so we walked around there, came back in the house, and there was a brown envelope sitting on the floor. I kid you not, this is not one of those, I don't have the white suit on. I'm not one of those preachers that tells these stories, you know. If you give that you get. I'm not that. That's never happened to me again since, by the way. But we went into the house, told nobody about it. There was an envelope sitting on the floor. We opened it up and there was £400 in cash. Don't you love those stories? I'd love it if it happened every week, but it didn't. And it was just God saying, I'll take care of you. What's the worry? Why the anxiety? Why the fear? Why the unbelief? I don't believe that I give... If I give this, I don't believe that if I give away that I won't have enough for myself anymore. I used to believe it, but, but we're just trapped in fear if we live like that. You're generous because of your faith. God dares you to trust his promises. He actually dares you. He says, bring your whole tithe. That's 10% to my storehouse. What's the storehouse? That's very simple. It's here. Four church land. <laughs> it's a place of worship. It's a temple. It's wherever you worship. Test me and see. I went to Bible college, and we had a lot of things to prove God. We had a cosmological argument, looking at the universe, the existence of God. We had many arguments, and they were great words. Like, I just love that word. Have you ever, when's the last time you went on a Monday morning to work and had a cosmological argument with a workmate on the existence of God? No. People don't care, do they? They really don't care about that stuff. And other things too. But the Bible, it says that the way that you prove God exists is by giving and being generous. Wow. And see if he doesn't show up. It demonstrates my, my faith. It demonstrates that I trust that he's good and he's kind. And guys, I'm not preaching that we give to get this morning. I'm just talking about you got to sometimes believe that God is good and God supplies your needs. And get over the fear and Reach out in love and let the overflow of love stir generosity in your heart. Generosity is the cure for materialism. Materialism kills our, our generous spirit. Generosity is about being free, getting free. Generosity isn't about whether you own stuff. It's about whether stuff owns you. It's okay to own stuff, by the way. Generosity is love in action. And love is measured in giving, not talking. And love is expressed in giving. And not taken. See, you may say, I'm not materialistic. But if you're not generous, you are. See, I know people that don't have a lot of stuff, but they're as materialistic as anybody else because they withhold stuff and fear that they won't have enough. And so they, it becomes about materialism, believe it or not. It does. If you're not generous, you're, 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 you're materialistic. Because the only antidote, again, every time you give, you break the grip of materialism in your life. You break it. You stop being a materialist. Jesus said in 6.24, he didn't say it's hard. He said you cannot serve both God and money. 
and you want to circle that word, you cannot. It's impossible to do. If you're serving one, you're depleting the other. You, you, you can't do both. You can't straddle them. Notice he didn't say you should not serve both God and money. He didn't say you should, sorry, he didn't say you should not serve both God and money. He said you can't. It's impossible. You can't have two gods in your life. You've got to decide what's more important to you, being rich or serving God. What's important to me? I've got to ask myself that question. Is God's number one, is God number one in my life? Or is it money? Is it stuff? Is that number one? You can't have two gods and you're going to, you're going to end up serving one of them. In a consumer-driven culture, it's pretty hard to fight materialism. Would you, would you agree with that? It is. It's very easy to get caught up in being, a, being in this consumer uh, thinking that my life, that my net worth determines my self-worth. It doesn't. We, we're, we're so caught up in that. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's so, so true that we think that our net worth results in our self-worth. But daily, we're bombarded, you see, by this message and this story of, by, by culture. Now, you go out of here today, if you turn right or turn left, you're going to see a, an advertising board. You turn on your TV, you turn on your radio, you turn on whatever. You're going to be bombarded by, by a story, by, by, by information. And, and, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? You didn't realize you needed it until you saw it. And then you realized that you really needed it. And you never realized it before that. But once you see it, you thought, I must, I need that kitchen aid mixer. I mean, you'd be mad not to buy it. What, what did you tell me that was, 289 pounds? What? It, it is 429. You would be mad. We're bored with stuff and we, we, don't, we don't even think we needed it. And, and then we think we need it because we see it. But in 1 Timothy 6, 17, 19, this is very smart. This is what got our outward focus uh, journey going. There was this text description, and I always read it every Christmas and every, or sorry, every November actually before we, we launch into the outward focus Christmas. It was just phenomenal this year, by the way. So way to go. And by, it says, command those who are rich. And by the way, you're thinking, uh-uh. That's not for me, that's for the person next to me. They're rich, I'm not rich, right? That's for all of us that's listening right now. Because the culture of being rich in the scripture means if you have clothes to put on your back, if you have food on your table, then you are rich. So can I just embarrass you this morning? Well, like, I mean, if you didn't have clothes on your back, it'd be kind of embarrassing if you were here anyway. So I'm just going to, as a given, you've got clothes on your back. All right, there's nobody running about nude or naked here in the vineyard. That's a good thing, all right? And uh, you've got food on your table, Sometime today, you'll eat, right? And seriously, if you don't have food on your table, come and see me afterwards, and there's food in those cupboards. We'll gladly give you food so that you can eat. Command those who are rich, that's all of us in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, again, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for what? That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. Surely we should, as followers of Jesus Christ, take a vow of poverty and live the monastic life. What does is, what is, what is Paul say? I want, you to, I want you to think about that enjoyment. Did you know that everything God created is for your enjoyment? That he's not some God that wants you to live miserably and live poor? And I also think that people that... Yeah, listen, there's no call here for a monastic life. There is no call here in Scripture for a, mon a monastic life. And, and the reason why I think that is that sometimes we want to get free of, of materialism and, and the responsibility of wealth. I understand that. Don't, if you get bogged down with materialism, it, the, the best thing is just to avoid it. 
And therefore you think, if, if I was just poor, I wouldn't have this responsibility. But guys, that's not how God has wired us to live. He wants us to live with lives that are enjoying resources. Not caught up in them, but that we actually enjoy resources. And then that we are of noble birth, that we have responsibility, not just to live in a monastic lifestyle, but to give ourselves in community with our stuff, enjoy our stuff, and also give our stuff away. Because we're born of noble birth, and there is responsibility on you who are born again with royal descent and royal blood in your veins that we take care of those who are in need. So I'm not a fan of a monastic lifestyle. And if God has called you to sell all your possessions and give it to the poor, well, that's a remarkable thing, and you cannot but do what he has asked you to do. But as far as I can see, the whole of Scripture is God gives us stuff, and God gives us resources, not just to keep, but to actually so that we can supply the need for others in society and the world. Do you believe that? I hope that has changed your thinking this morning. Did you not know that God gave us everything for our enjoyment? God wants us to enjoy, not endure life. God created for enjoyment. There is nothing, listen to me, as a pastor of a local church, there is nothing unethical about enjoying wealth. It's from my lips. There is nothing unethical about enjoying wealth. And don't let anybody put that on you. If God has blessed you financially, enjoy it. It's not what car you have, it's what you do with your car. Give someone a lift that doesn't have a car. It's not what house you have, it's are you keeping open house? Is your door open? Are you inviting people around the table? Are you having a bigger table? It's all about the table this morning, isn't it? I, no, I seriously think the Lord's in this. I think our story in Vineyard Church is that we just keep getting a bigger table. It's not about a bigger room. It's not a bigger space. It's always about a bigger table so that we can have more people in community, more people in relationship, more people uh, not being lonely, more people connected, more people feeling loved, more people feeling forgiven, more people dropping their shame. And we're not interested in a big building, but we do want a bigger table, right? A big oak one. <laughs> and we call it Mary's table. How cool is that? Totally biblical. He wants us not to live a monastic life, but to enjoy our stuff. Command those to be generous and willing to share. Willing to share. In this way, listen to this. They will t this, this, is, this is a very, very uh, prominent piece of scripture that just changes everything in your life. If you're struggling this morning, if your business is going through a tough time, if your family's going through a tough time, if, if the world seems to be dark and you seem to be uh, uh, just the night, let, let, let me say this to you. Take hold of life that is the true life. Take hold of it. You take hold of it. Take hold. Do, be intentional. Don't allow life to get you down. Don't allow society to put you down. Don't allow culture to put you down. Don't allow the news to put you down. You take the initiative and you take hold of the life that is truly life. And the way that you take hold of it is just live generously. Open house. Open door. Is this a good talk? Is this a good talk? God is generous in giving life away. And the life that God always makes is generous. It's generous. You see, we, we talk about having life to the full, don't we? My, my mind shifted this week, and I, I think it was God inspiration, Holy Spirit inspired. Having life to the full. What if the idea that there's, the idea, that's the real daily one. What if the idea uh, uh, was that there's abundance in our lives, right? That, you know, that John 10, 10, I've come to you of might of life and life to the full. What if that meant that there was an abundance in your life, that there was so much abundance in your life, you just can't keep it to yourselves, that it must be given away? What if John 10, 10 didn't just be all about you consuming, but John 10 said that you're, it's not that you're having enough, the scripture says. 
I'm teaching scripture this morning. God doesn't say, I want you to have enough. He says, I want you to come into a life of, and this is not Kenneth Copeland. This is Jason Scott. This is not some crazy psycho on a God TV program. This is me saying, what if God says that he just doesn't want you to have enough, but he wants you to have abundance? So that you can have, no, but so that you who are of noble birth can take your responsibility seriously. How do we do that? Guys, I can't force you to be generous. I've discovered something. You're either a Mary, a Dennis, or you're not. God can change hearts, but it's your choice. It's your initiative. It's always your choice. And this is every preacher's favorite passage. Exodus 35, 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdraw from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him and her came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all his service, and for all the sacred garments. So when the scriptures look at money, it's always about the heart, not the obligation. Those who are willing, those who, who were moved, moved with the love of God, moved with the compassion of God, who have multifaceted uh, glasses on when they see generosity. Those who are moved, it's not obligation. It's never obligation, Old Testament, New Testament. It is never obligation. It's always those who are willing. Those who are willing. So if you're thinking, oh, here we go again, money, then it's not. It's not for you. This talk's not for you. If you're willing, if your heart's open, this talk's for you. All, verse 22, all who were willing leads me to believe some were not. Is that okay? Why would Scripture say all who were willing? All who were willing. Men and women alike came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches and earrings and rings and ornaments. They all presented the gold as a wave offering to the Lord. I would love to see that. Did you love to see that? What did it look like? <laughs> Rings on your fingers. You know, like the Eric Bristow sort of dart player. That's what I'm thinking, you know, the, all the gold, all the bling. And he's like, yeah, Jesus. Well, they didn't know Jesus then. It was, yeah, God. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair. Now, I've just stocked up with goat hair at the minute. So I don't know what to do with it in the food bank. Uh, Ramskins dyed red or hides of sea cows. They brought them. Those presenting an offering of, of silver, of bronze, brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had a key of wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought it what, the, what she had spun. Blue and purple and scarlet yarn of fine linen connected to the Irish. And all the women who were willing and had the skilled spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. And they also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work of the Lord Moses had commanded them to do. I want to say that there's a lot of skill and craft 
and artisans in this story. And I want to just say also that this is a great place of people who volunteer, who show up, who give their skill and their ability. And I just want to say as your pastor and on behalf of Michelle and I, thank you for our volunteers who are skilled, who are crafted, and who are artisans and who are, are giving themselves to the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to those who volunteer and go on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night to pick up food for our food bank. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for every handyman who knocks a nail on the wall and puts up shelves so we can put food on ourselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We need you. Verse 36, sorry, chapter 36, verse 2. We're going to wrap it up. Don't panic. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Alul. I was practicing this all morning. Your man. <laughs> we just call him Big O here in Tyrone. Sorry? Olahab. Say it fast. Say it confidently. And every skilled person to whom the Lord had given him ability. And who was willing to come and to do the work? I ain't persuading anybody this morning. It's not my job. They received from Moses all their offerings and Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. And so all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work and the Lord commanded to be done. Isn't that? And then this is every preacher's dream of someday that this would happen. And this is what I want to dream about too. This is just fantasy land here. Listen to this. Then Moses gave an order and he sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained. Restrained. I restrain you in the name of Vineyard Church Dungannon. Stop bringing more stuff. Stop bringing your money. We have more than we need. We have more. Stop it. Just stop it. They were restrained from bringing more. That's a heart of, that's a heart of generosity when, when people are restraining you from bringing more. My dad was about like that. I stopped talking to him about stuff. We, if I, before my dad died, he, if you mention anything to him, you get a check in the, in the post. Now, that might sound like fun, but after a while, it was kind of embarrassing. He had, you know, you mentioned anything at all. There was a check, wasn't there? He had to restrain him. We had, to, we had to not talk about things that we needed because we had to restrain him because he would just bring stuff all the time because they already had. But what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Can you imagine that in Vineyard Church on Gannon, we already had all that we needed to do the work in this town? Mm. Wow, that would be cool, wouldn't it? What would happen if we all together were willing and outrageously generous? What would happen if we all together were willing and outrageously generous. What would happen? So on your way out this morning, I want you to pick up the, the resources. I want you to pick up the, the review of 2017. I want you to look at just a glimpse of what we're doing, just where we're scratching the surface in India and, and uh, here, near and far. I want you to look at what we did with Give It Aid to Dungannon. I want you to look at what we did with Outward Focus. I want you to look. And then, not, 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 not in any way to, to put any guilt or shoulda, 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 shoulda. I want you to go to the back page, and you'll see our in and our out. And, and I want you to just look at the numbers and, and just ask God in your heart, am I, am I willing? Am I outrageously generous? Am I, am I living in fear just like, like, like I was before I decided and give up and living in a life of fear and but am I, am I living fully? Am I living free? Am I being outrageously generous? I want us to, to begin to imagine. Say, I, 
Just, just, can I just talk family just for a moment? I don't want the burden of our giving and our generosity just to be landed on a few people in this, in this room. I want those of noble birth to take responsibility and to give to the vision and the mission of the New York Church Dungannon. And you might say, Jason, I, don't believe, I do give, and I, I, you know, the law is 10%, and, and we're not under law. No, we're not under law. We don't live beyond, we do live beyond the law, but we don't live below the law. We live in a grace period, right? We don't live beyond, we do live beyond, sorry, I wish I could get this right. We don't live under it. We live beyond it. That means it's not, grace is not something that we take lightly. It's not that we have, a, have the, this, we can just live whatever way we want. That's not grace. You're living. You're living a life that God hasn't called you to live. So the law is there, but we don't live out of that in a way that's not pleasing to God. We live beyond that in a new full grace. And I want to ask you the question this morning. Seriously. If you don't believe in the tithe and you believe in this new land of grace, what does that look like? Because I think it might look more generous than a tenth. I'm just saying. It might, it, might, it might be just multifaceted. It might just go beyond your stuff. It might actually look at the intentions of our hearts. Grace always gets our hearts. I, I always said, we don't get grace. Grace gets us. Grace gets us. And it gets my heart. It gets my actions. It gets my words. It gets my wallet. It gets my time. It gets my thinking and my ideas. And, and, I, and if I'm living in the graceful land that God has brought me into, then... What does that look like in my life? And let me ask you this then, as I'm asking questions. What would a church look like here in Dungannon that was living in this graceful land beyond the law? What would it look like? What would it look like? You say, I don't want to do church anymore where we're skimming and scraping to make ministry happen. You know, if we have people in need, I want us to be the most outrageous, generous people. I want us to have Marys and Dennis's in the room, that we're all Dennis and we're all Mary, that we're actually giving our stuff without, without anything but grace and love and freedom in our hearts. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for the sick this morning because the Lord's here.